Our text for this morning's meditation is from Matthew chapter 22, these words. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? That is Matthew 22:11, our text for this morning. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in the gospel reading from which our text is taken, the wedding banquet is heaven. The wedding banquet is heaven, that place where the church of Jesus, the bride of Christ, will celebrate her union with Christ, her eternal union, eternal fellowship and communion. The wedding banquet is heaven and the wedding garments, the righteousness the righteousness of Christ with which we are in our baptisms clothed, our robes dipped in the blood of Christ for us and then placed upon us so that we are then seen to be righteous and holy before God our Father in heaven. That man who appears without a wedding garment? Someone who has heard the call to come to the wedding but has made it into the hall without such a garment, without the righteousness of Jesus, he is therefore expelled. Harsh? Harsh? We kind of wonder about that guy, don't we? I mean, he made it into the hall. And that's something, isn't it? Somehow he made it there. And so what does it matter? What does it matter if he has a garment, a wedding garment or not? For what kind of qualification, what kind of elitist imperative command is that? We kind of like that guy, don't we? That heavenly party crasher. That independent, do-it-yourself kind of guy. In the words of Garth Brooks, the western singer, Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. Ruined your black tie affair. Last one to know, the last one to show. I was the last one you thought you'd see there. Saw the surprise, fear in his eyes. When I took his glass of champagne and I toasted you, said, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain because I've got friends in low places. That's the guy we like the guy we're comfortable with. Because, well, we kind of want to be that guy. We don't want social convention, cultural norms, societal trends to dictate who we are and what we wear, even, even when it comes to church, even when it comes to heaven. 
If we're going to participate in anything, any group, any association, any organization, we're not going to submit ourselves to their way of doing things. We're going to take part on our terms. They need to take us as we are. And well, if they don't like us the way we are, they can just kick us out. We don't need them. We don't need them. We don't need them. Now granted, that might be true about a lot of things, about a club we join, recreational softball team, community band, and that may even hold true to a place of employment. But it doesn't hold true for heaven. It doesn't hold true for heaven For God doesn't want us as we are. He doesn't want us as we are. God doesn't want our ugliness. God doesn't want our selfishness. God doesn't want our pettiness, our prejudice. God doesn't want our lovelessness, our arrogance, our pride. For why should he? Why should God? who is love. Why should God, who created all that is good, wonderful and beautiful, why should God, who is perfect and holy and merciful and gracious, want to hang out with us, who are absolutely none of those things? For our attempts to be those things, they pale in comparison to God. Why should we even get an invitation, an invitation to have Anything to do with God. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves here. I mean, what do we do with the stuff that we make, that we create, and falls apart, and it breaks, and it's useless? What do we do with such a thing? We throw it away. We throw it away. So if we were God, what would we do with us? His broken creation. If we were God, we'd throw ourselves away. But that's not what God, our loving Heavenly Father, does. God doesn't throw us away. Instead, God fixes us. He fixes all of our brokenness and does so not because he's some sort of divine snob, not wishing to associate with anyone spiritually lower than he is, but because we were, in fact, created in his image. We were created to be like him. We were created to be love. We were created to be perfect. We were created to be holy. We were created by God, our loving Heavenly Father, to be much, much, much more than what we are. But in our brokenness, we just don't see it. We don't see it. We are, for all intents and purposes, like that Pinocchio character. And and who is Pinocchio? That enlivened wooden puppet who wants to be a real boy, but instead follows his temptations to Pleasure Island, a supposed amusement park, 
and he begins the process whereby he becomes a beast of burden. He becomes, he starts to become a donkey. And he starts to become a donkey. Remember, he grows those donkey ears. He enslaves himself there to the devil and to the world. So something has to happen to Pinocchio. Something has to happen to rescue him, not only from being enslaved in his sin, but to become, to become a, a real little boy. To be that which Geppetto, his maker, wanted him to be. For you and me then enter our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sent by our Father in heaven, not to condemn us in our brokenness, but to save us. For God sent his Son into the world, Jesus taught us. God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. No one, no one who believes in him will be condemned. But whoever refuses to believe is condemned already because he's refused to believe in the name of God's only begotten Son. The man thrown out of the wedding feast in our parable was a man who refused to believe in the only begotten Son of God. He would, like Pinocchio, wish to save himself from himself. Of course, when that fails, what then can we do? What can we do when our own attempts of heaven crashing fail? Well, we can simply rejoice in the fact that we have friends in low places. That's it. That's what we do. That's why that song from 1990, over 30 years ago, remains a popular favorite, a confession, really, of failure. But of the fact that since so many have failed, so many failed at storming heaven by their own means, there are plenty of people with which we can commiserate. Sure, our, our life is a pleasure island of sorts, but it, is it worth this life becoming and remaining a beast of burden? That is our enslavement, our enslavement to our regrets, our enslavement to our shame, our mistakes, our failures, is our enslavement to who we are, who we know is not what we really could be, is our enslavement to ourselves for our entire life here on earth, and then the life to come forever is our enslavement to our brokenness, our faults that manipulate us like so many strings of a puppet, worth clasping tightly to a bit of commiseration every now and then with a group of people on that same island as we are, a desert island, really. Well, I want to do things my own way. Oh, really? How's that work for you so far? How is it working for you? Let us simply repent. Repent, confessing that, yes, we are broken. We are broken. We are simply like puppets being manipulated by the strings of our sin. Let us repent, and God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, clothing us with a wedding garment, which is the righteousness of His Son, even Christ Himself, as we read in the Word of God. And then what happens? Then what happens? Those strings of our past, those strings from our past, those strings that have manipulated us one way and then another for years. They're cut. Freeing us 
to be the people that we were meant to be, created in the image of God, enjoying constantly the presence of our Savior Jesus in our hearts, just as if we were at a a continual heavenly banquet. It is then and only then in the union and communion and fellowship with the one who created us that we can truly be who we are meant to be, living in a way that we've never lived before in holiness and righteousness. That is in the way that our Savior Jesus Christ himself lived. So, hold still. Listen to the word of God. Believe that your sins are forgiven through Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to cut the strings, to cut the strings that manipulate you, the strings of sin every single day, Enjoy then not a life of friends in low places, but a life of friends in high places. Friends that actually can do something for you. That is God. Friends that care for you, watch out for you, and only want the best for you. And here I'm talking plural about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've got friends in high places, we could then sing. I've got friends in high places where my baptism drowns my sins and chases my guilt away. So I'll be okay. Don't get me wrong. It's hard not to cheer for the guy that wants to do things his way. There's something to that, and, and every once in a while such a person succeeds but so often they're simply hard-headed, even stupid. Like our neighbor kid growing up who found a can of green spray paint and so he decided to put some graffiti on our block wall fence in the backyard. The problem, the only words he really knew how to spell were his first and his last name. In Christ, through faith in Christ, we are freed from ourselves, our stupid, foolish, puppet-like selves. We are freed from the devil. We are freed from the world to truly live. And that happens by acquiring that wedding garment through faith, that wedding garment, which is Christ, in which we can truly live. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We rise and sing the offertory. Thank you.